Go to Micah this morning, please. Over the last two lessons, we have been considering how God sometimes needs to take us into the operating room in order to perform surgery on us and remove things from our life which are hindering us from fully trusting in Him. He wants all the glory in our lives, and sometimes we allow things into our life that hinders Him getting all the praise, honor, and glory. In verses 10 through 15, we've been looking at here, God says He's going to remove things out of their midst. He's going to cut off, destroy, throw down, and pluck up. God, He really just wants us to learn to trust Him. And if we get stubborn about it, then He'll cut things off. He'll perform surgery. Take away those things that are holding us back. And we have to learn to be able to say, not my will, but thine be done. We have to give ourselves to the process in order that we might grow closer to the Lord, allow Him to have His way in our lives. And we should all desire to be conformed into the image of Christ. I quoted the hymn last week, Let Him Have His Way With Thee, and at the end of that a chorus that says, "'Twas best for him to have his way with thee." And I hope we can learn that. Let's begin today by once again reading verses 10 through 15 of Micah chapter 5. "'And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots, and I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds, and I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hands, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers.' Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities, and I will execute vengeance and anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for all that are here. Open our understanding now that we might understand the scriptures. Please be with every class. And uh, we just pray that we'd grow closer to you through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've considered over the last two weeks, verses 10 and 11, where God was going to cut off their military strength, cut off their horses and chariots, which they looked to offensively, and cut off their cities, which they looked to as a defensive stronghold. But remember, God was to be their strength. There's nothing wrong with having a strong military, Amen. I am grateful every time I hear the B-1 flying. I realize we're still free. It's still flying. We may not have the money to fly them, but we're flying them anyway. And, and so it's a blessing to know that we have a strong military. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a strong defense. They are both blessings from God. The problem is when we begin to trust in those things. When we take the strength of our military and we say, nobody can do us any harm, and then we end up pushing God aside... Remember from last week, God was to be their walls. He was going to tear down these cities, these walled cities, because they were trusting in those things. But we are to run to God in the times when the enemy comes, when we are faced with battles in our life. We are to run to God. He is to be our defense, our salvation, our strong tower, our fortress. And the Bible says that He would appoint salvation for our walls. And so God wanted to be their walls. He wants us to trust in Him at all times. But if we don't turn to Him, 
God will perform surgery on us and He will start cutting out those things that we are trusting in more than Him. For today, let's read verses 12 through 14 again. It says, And I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hands, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities. You'll recall I've stated before that there are some things here that God looks at, and they're not necessarily sinful things. There's nothing sinful with having a strong military and a strong defense, and all of those things are fine, except when we get them out of place. However, there's some things in this list that are just downright wicked, and, and God definitely doesn't want those things in our life. And so sometimes it may be something good that becomes sinful. Other times there's things in our life that we know we should not have this in our life. And that's what we've come to here. Israel had allowed all kind of wickedness to prevail in the land. And it was an insult to God. God had done so much for them in bringing them out of Egypt. And yet over time, they turned to all this wickedness and it really is a slap in the face of God. And America needs to wake up. We know within the house of Israel, there wasn't a single king that ever did right in the sight of the Lord. How sad. In the house of Judah, there was a mix between kings that did right and kings that did good in the sight of the Lord. But if I remember correctly, there were more bad than there were good, even in the house of Judah. They turned to idolatry and witchcrafts. Both houses did. Throughout the land there was found witchcrafts, soothsayers, graven images, groves where they would worship their false gods in. And listen, this morning that's a wickedness that God cannot tolerate. There comes a point, as it did with Israel, when God has to cut off, pluck up, destroy. The Bible is clear, these are the things which anger God. God gets angry. Now, he can do it without sinning. Let's begin with witchcrafts in verse 12. Witchcrafts refer to the use of dark magic and sorcery. Soothsayers are also those who practice magic. Soothsayer literally means to cover, as in a fog, a, a mist, a cloud. John Gill wrote about soothsayers. They cast a mist over people's eyes and deceive them with false appearances of things that pretended to know times and seasons when it was or was not a good day to make merchandise. They judged by the clouds and by the position of the heavens what would come to pass hereafter. End quote. And this was clearly forbidden by God. God said, don't go down that road. And listen, by the way, it is still forbidden by God to even get caught up in this stuff. God doesn't want us messing with anything the Bible calls curious arts. Leave it alone. Don't even dabble with it. We are forbidden from it. It manifests itself today in a number of ways. Tarot cards, palm readers, fortune tellers, Ouija boards, horoscopes, enchanters, necromancers, witches, sorcerers, wizardry, black magic, psychic readings, divination, and even pharmaceuticals in some cases. And there's probably more we can add to that list, I'm sure. 
Now, lest somebody get sideways with me about the pharmaceutical comment, because every time I mention something like this, somebody gets their... Uh... Anyway, four times in the New Testament, the English word for sorcerers, sorceries, and witchcraft is translated from the Greek word pharmakia and pharmakias, which is where we get our English word for pharmacy. It's defined as a drug, a spell-giving potion, and magic. Now, let me be clear. <laughs> I don't believe there's anything wrong with most of the medicines which bring relief. They are a gift from God. I do believe that. Luke was a, a physician, and he was a very godly man. Proverbs 7.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen. Ezekiel 47.12, And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to uh, his months. Because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. So I can't find where God is against medicine. He's blessed this earth with all manner of natural remedies, and He's even blessed pharmaceutical companies to be able to harness a lot of that into medicine. So I don't think that all medicine falls into the category of witchcrafts. However, don't misplace your trust either. Now, I'm saying all this say for what I'm about to say. Don't try to label me as some nut job who thinks that we're never to seek a doctor's advice or take any medicine. I'm not saying that. But I do believe God has a problem with any drug that alters our natural state. Why is it that some side effects of certain drugs are depression, suicidal thoughts, nightmares, hearing voices, and hallucinations? That's a problem. And, and, of course, as I hear these commercials and they start listing, listing the side effects, I keep waiting for the one that's like, you know, your head may just suddenly fall off, you know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, well, uh, in rare cases. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, if we're honest, we have to conclude that those influences of suicidal thoughts, nightmares, hallucinations, hearing, it's not from God. Amen. So where are they from? If they're not from God, where are they from? And so we have to be careful. When people seek the curious arts, they are literally opening themselves up to demonic influence. And if it's a lost person, they're opening themselves up to demonic possession. When we come to things like this in the Bible, we must understand there are only two sources of spiritual powers at work. God and Satan. And, and Satan doesn't really, he's not really a source, so to speak. He only gets power that God allows him, but... God is light, Satan is darkness. And that's the two options. Now the danger in playing around with these abominable arts is how the ministers of Satan can manifest themselves as ministers of light just enough to deceive people in the beginning. Exodus 7, 10, and 12, 10 through 12. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But I love this last phrase. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. <laughs> Ugh. Amen. Just watching snakes eat snakes. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, it says this, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, 
For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. See, listen, Satan will not show you the depth of his darkness right away. If, if we had a door here that said hell and a door here that said heaven, nobody in their right mind would walk through the door that said hell. And so it's camouflage, transformed into ministers of righteousness and light, and it seems harmless in how he operates at first. There's a reason the Bible calls Satan subtle. It can start with something like movies. Listen, I know people are going to think I'm whack on this, but now I've lived long enough to know this is absolutely true. It starts with just things like movies, music, even something as innocent as a board game. And it seems harmless. But in reality, some of these things that we're ingesting are satanic. And parents, I want to tell you, you need to take an interest in what your children are participating in. You need to know what it is they are putting into their eyes and into their ears. Don't leave your children to themselves. But know. To the best of your ability. I mean, somebody can hide if, if they're just that determined, right? But to the best of your ability, you need to know what it is they're up to. I, I never wanted my kids to go off into a back room and just shut the door and be left alone for hours on end. And, and, and listen, this is just my personal conviction, conviction. We never let our kids have internet. I just don't think they can be trusted with that stuff. Uh, I, I mean, listen, you're going to do as you see fit, and I understand that. That's my personal conviction. Um, I know how easy it is for stuff to come up, and I certainly don't want them battling those things uh, that early in life. And listen, we're, we're, we're adults in here, so I'll tell you this. When I was in Mississippi, one of the guys that I supervised, his son was seven years old and was already addicted to masturbation. Seven, already hooked on pornography. Be careful what you allow your kids to have, how much freedom you allow them to have. And so you have to be invested in their life is what I'm saying because this is how Satan operates. I was listening to a message. As I was studying for this, a message came up that I heard years ago and I, I located it and I listened to it again and it was about spiritual warfare. And this, this preacher was talking about how another pastor called him and said, you got to take my daughter. So they showed up. They met up on a road somewhere, and the pastor got out of his car, and he was hot. I mean, he was mad. He said, I'll take this girl and get her out of my life. I never want to see her again. His own daughter, a pastor. And he said later, um, looking back how it all happened, was she asked, can I have the room up in the attic? And he said, sure. Fixed it all up. And he said, well, but we never really went up there. And uh, come to find out, she had painted that thing completely black and had got caught up in all kind of wrong stuff. And she ended up being demon-possessed. And um, he didn't know how to deal with it, which is sad. But anyway, it all started because he just kind of let her do her own thing. And so you got to be careful. Listen, I, I can tell you from experience now, it's hard enough trying to get things right, doing the right thing. That's right. It's hard enough to raise your kids for God, even when you're bringing them to church and you're doing all these things and you're checking on them is what I'm saying. We have to engage with them because there are times when we have to be strong enough and loving enough to look at them and say no. No to some of their friends. No to some of their entertainment. No to some of their workplaces. 
you may have to cut some things out of their life. God has entrusted you with those children. They are the heritage of the Lord and He's allowed you to raise them. He's trusting you to do that. Meanwhile, listen, Satan is after your children. You need to know how he operates. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage over us or of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The pathway to the occult almost always begins with something that seems innocent. Almost always. You just got to be careful, okay? Um, you got to be careful. So don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. It, it starts with something that seems so simple. But once Satan gets a hold of somebody, he does not want to let them go. And he wants to drag them deeper and deeper into his darkness. Satan never reveals at the outset what his end is. And the only rescue is saving faith in Christ. His blood will never lose its power. So back to our text here. The problem in Israel was they were looking for guidance and help in the very things that God had already forbidden. Exodus twenty two eighteen. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. God's not very PC, I guess. Deuteronomy 18, this is pretty popular for most people, verses 9 through 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observers of times, and unto uh, diviners, diviners, how do I print it? Diviners? Unto diviners. But as for thee... The Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. I said, I don't want this for you. God cannot be any more clear than He was in His Word and is in His Word. On that matter, He considered all manner of witchcraft an abomination. And he wanted those who practiced such things dead. And don't miss in that passage I read how God was driving out the wicked inhabitants from the land due to their own witchcrafts. And you have to catch that because, in other words, if Israel adopted those abominations, God was going to have to kick Israel out of the land. Leviticus 20, verses 22 through 27. Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them, that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. I love that. Where's Brother DeGarmo when we need him? Amen. Spew them out, and ye shall not walk in the manners of the nations which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, Ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Ye shall therefore put a difference between clean beast and unclean, between unclean fowls and clean, and ye shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground. No problem there, amen. Um, which I have separated from you as unclean. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I am the Lord, or for I the Lord am holy. 
and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. A man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit, or that is a wizard, shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones, their blood shall be upon them. So the warning had been given by God to Israel, if you commit these things, if you take those same abominations and you make them yours, I'm going to drive you from the land. The land is going to spew you out. Leviticus 18, 25-28. And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. <laughs> I love that picture, Adrian. The land vomiting. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations. Neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you and the land is defiled. That the land spew not you out also when ye defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Isn't it amazing how we can say things over and over again and people just refuse the warnings? I mean, if you, if you raise kids, you know what this is about. If you were a kid, you know what this is about. Mm-hmm. And you hear warnings over and over again, and it's like, eh, I'm good. It's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Even with all the warnings from God in time, Israel turned to abominable witchcrafts and idolatries and all the rest. And as a result, God would have to vomit them out of the land since they refused to seek after God. Here's what is said of Manasseh. He's a very wicked king over Judah. 2 Chronicles 33.6 And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. It's amazing how in leadership starts to do wrong. I mean, I don't want to go down that road this morning. I'm just going to let that sit. But there's something to be said for leaders in the land. Because of Israel's wickedness, the Assyrians, they drove out the house of Israel. When they took the house of Israel captive, they scattered them among the nations. Later, maybe 100, 125 years or so later, Babylon's came in. They took the house of Judah captive for 70 years. This wickedness prevailed. And the context here in Micah 5 is referring specifically to the house of Judah and how God was going to use the Babylonians to cut off their witchcrafts and their soothsayers to show how those things could not help them in any way whatsoever. Sadly, they trusted in them all the way up until the time that the Babylonians came into the city. I don't know if I have it in my notes. Let me just check here. The same thing happened in A.D. 70. Up until the Romans came into the city, there were prophets saying, the Lord's going to deliver, all's fine. And they were looking to all this false prophecy and all these soothsayers that supposedly knew what was going to happen. And same thing, when the Babylonians came in, you had, you had these folks that were turning to witches and the soothsayers, and they were telling them everything's going to be fine. Jeremiah 27, 9 and 10, Therefore hearken not ye to your prophets, talking about the false prophets, nor to your diviners, nor to your dreamers, nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers which speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy, they prophesy a lie unto you, to remove you far from your land, that I should drive you out 
and ye shall perish. They said, look, don't believe what Jeremiah is saying about the Babylonians coming in. It's not going to happen. Isaiah 47, 9 through 13. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, None see me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge it hath perverted thee. Thou hast said in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. Therefore shall evil come upon thee. Thou shalt not know from whence it riseth and mischief shall fall upon thee. Thou shalt not be able to put it off. Desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Stand now within thine enchantments and with the multitudes of thy sorceries. God's saying, go ahead and go to those things. Go ahead and stand in that if that's what you want to trust in. Wherein thou hast labored from thy youth, if so be thou shalt be able to profit, if so be thou mayest prevail, thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. God finally said, look, if that's what you want to trust in, trust in them. Let them save you if that's what you want above me. Well, Judah turned the abominations which God had warned them not to meddle with. They never turned to God. Instead, they turned to all these things. They'd rather listen to soothsayers than God's true prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and even Micah here. So God said, I'm going to cut off your witchcrafts out of the land. Or out of thine hand, I guess it says here. Is that what it says in verse number 12? Out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. So what's the remedy for any that are caught up in, in this wickedness of witchcrafts and soothsayers. And, and i got to read a lot of passages, but you'll be okay. It's okay to hear the Bible, amen? <laughs> i got to tell Christians that, you know, they, they don't know. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 12. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying... This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But listen, here's the remedy. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What was their need? Their need was Christ. The remedy for anybody who's caught up in witchcrafts and sorceries and soothsaying and all these various means. The answer is Christ. Once the heart believes the preaching of God's Word about Christ, then these people here in Samaria, they were set free. God took it away. Where the Holy Spirit resides, Satan cannot. I, I firmly believe a saved person cannot be demon-possessed because uh, the Holy Spirit lives inside. Can we be influenced? Sure. Can we be attacked? Yes. But I don't believe a saved person can be possessed. And so when the heart turns to Christ, the demons have to flee. We can open ourselves back up to that nonsense by being stupid children. But when we're saved, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We are a new creature in Christ. 
we are given that clean slate. Then it's up to us whether we're going to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Acts 13, verses 6 through 12, And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, Paphos, P-A-P-H-O-S, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. Paulus. Help me out here, Shug. I'm struggling here. He was a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist. Isn't that interesting? What, what, is, what was the Sioux saying? It was a mist. Remember the definition? And here's the sorcerer, and this mist falls upon him. You know, the Bible says that the, the wicked will be taken in their own net. <laughs> and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Bar-Jesus experienced deliverance from sorcery once he believed the doctrine of the Lord. Acts 19, verses 18 through 20. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Listen to what they did after they believed. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all the men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Once they believed, they left off their curious arts. And you know what somebody would have said, a well-meaning friend or... Somebody would have said, you know, you could have sold that stuff. We could have got $50,000 out of this. Listen, when you start believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't want other people caught up in that junk. You just burn it. Just burn it. Get rid of it. We had a book burning out here once. I don't know how many of you remember that. And the book wouldn't catch fire. It eventually did. Yeah, that was here. No, that was here. Uh, we, had a, we had a burning at Mississippi. That was, that was like all kind of stuff. There was a revival. Uh, there was special services in, in our church in Mississippi. I visited. I don't think we had moved down there yet. I was down there for training, and so I stopped in uh, for church, of course, and they were having special services, and um, revival broke out in a sense. I mean, all these people started bringing in all their music and pornography and uh, all this sinful stuff from their homes in these uh, black garbage bags, and they just started showing up at the altar. Nobody, nobody asked anybody to do it. And this stuff just started showing up. It was weird. Like, I'd, I'd never seen that happen before. And it was just covered up with all this sinful stuff. And they had 12 acres, and so they went out to the back of their property, and they just started burning it all that night. It was awesome. It was awesome. When the heart gets right, that stuff goes out. Amen. So they left their curious hearts once they believed. So again, what's the remedy? The only deliverance for wickedness is for it to be cut off by God. The individual has to be washed in the blood of the spotless, sinless, perfect Lamb of God. You must turn to the Word of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you happen to be one that's caught up in witchcrafts or any of its various forms. But you may need to allow God to perform surgery on your life today. You need to get rid of that stuff immediately.
immediately. You're playing with fire, and can a man take up fire and not be burned? Now, here's the deal. You can allow God to cut it off, or he'll cut you off. Oh, look at that tragic accident. Was it a tragic accident? Or was God at work? This is not a game. This is real. I have seen it. I know what I'm talking about. And I know Adrian has experienced some of this in dealing with somebody in her family. It, it is real. And we've got to take it serious. It's not cute to go watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We could list all kinds of stuff. It's not just a phase. I, get, I just cringe when I hear parents say it's just a phase. It's not just a phase. Satan wants you and your family ensnared and enslaved. Don't take it lightly. You need to deal with anything demonic that you are clinging to or you are allowing into your life. Get it out of your life now. Confess it. And then run to God. Cling to Him. He wants to be your trust. If you think it's okay to dabble around with it and you think it's nothing more than innocent fun, Satan's got you blinded. If you are considering messing around with that kind of wickedness, listen to this passage. Proverbs 4, 14, and 15. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. The Bible says don't even, don't even mess with it. Don't even enter into it. Don't even entertain the idea. Go not with those who do such things. Avoid it altogether. Don't even pass by it. Don't even take a casual look at it, but pass another way around it. I don't know if that was for anybody this morning, but I pray if you're caught up in any of that stuff, you'll do business with God. Let Him cut off the witchcrafts out of your hand and have no more soothsayers. Let's pray.